unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And we thank you for joining us once again. Coming up, we'll talk some fantasy football and Tampa Bay area sports with my former WGTO colleague Todd Wright. He is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. Well, last week we lost one of the great ones in Tom Seaver, and just a few days later, another Hall of Famer passing away. Cardinals legend Lou Brock passing away at the age of 81. Uh, the all-time uh, leader in steals for both regular and single season until Ricky Henderson broke those marks, and he was much more than a baseball uh, than a base dealer, I should say. And I have vivid memories of Lou Brock being one of those early favorite players of mine because he was much more than that. He was a terrific hitter, had a little power, played great defense, and was part of a, a great Cardinals teams that went to the World Series getting a victory in 1964. And you look at the fact that he had a 12-season stretch starting in 1965, averaging 65 steals and 99 runs scored, had a batting average above 306 of those years, and in 1967, he had 21 homers, 52 steals, and uh, he became, that made him the first player to hit more than 20 homers with at least 50 steals in a season. And not only that, he was even better in the postseason. 391, four homers, 16 RBIs, 14 steals in 21 World Series game, games. He had a record-tying 13 hits in the 68 World Series. And in Game 4, he homered, tripled, and doubled when the Cardinals trounced Detroit and 31-game winner didn't claim by a 10-to-1 score. And although he never played in the World Series again after 68, he was still a terrific player. Uh, up until the, uh, the the time of his retirement. And again, uh, the, the great Lou Brock closed out his career in 1979, batting 304, passing away at the age of 81. Well, the Atlanta Braves made some history on Wednesday night. They scored 29. Yes, you heard me, 29 runs in a 29-9 route over the Miami Marlins. That is an all-time National League record, one off the Major League record, which the Rangers uh, scored 30 in a game. But 29 runs had an 11-run second inning. And you remember when I was telling you about no lead being safe? They had jumped out to an 11-2 lead, and the Marlins started chipping away, and they were starting to get close, but the Braves erupted and kept erupting. Freddie Freeman at six RBIs. And that wasn't even the best night on the team. Adam Duvall with his second three-home run game in a week's time. Hit three home runs, had nine RBIs. And according to the stats people, the first player did a two-run, three-run, and grand slam home run in that order ever. Incredible, incredible stuff. And real quick, just want to do a quick uh, promo. You may have uh, seen in my podcast feed the bonus podcast I posted earlier this week. Colin Thompson of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, We've had him on this show and my AAC report over on the Nightline Sports Network several times. And uh, it's great to be connected with him. And uh, he's fought long and hard to get back into the National Football League and uh, it has a great story to tell, so make sure you check out that bonus edition of the podcast if you haven't already. And if you haven't already, shame on you. 
and a pleasure to welcome back to the program my former colleague at WGTO. He is the host of the Todd Wright Toddcast, the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast, and many more endeavors, which he will tell you about when we uh, wrap up our interview. But Todd is here now to join us on the program. How are you, Todd? I'm well, Jeff. Nice to revisit with you when we have live sports to talk about. The last time we spoke, everything was being shut down on us. Good to know that we have virtually everything back now. Yes, and uh, in, in lots of it in and for the next couple of months, it's going to be a smorgasbord, so to speak. So uh, let's first talk some fantasy football as the uh, NFL season about to get underway. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about that. So first of all, what do you is what do you sense is the most popular protocol for dealing with COVID? I know in, in the league I'm in, we just added four extra spots. So basically, we have a practice squad. Uh, what do you sense is the most uh, popular uh, way of addressing that? I don't know that there's a right way to do it because none of us have been in this position before. So I just admire commissioners and owners who are kind of trying to figure it out as we go along and go with the flow and make the best of it. Even on one of my fantasy football podcasts in the last month, I'm already about 13 or 14 episodes into this season five of the fantasy podcast. Um, I said, you know, if you were a commissioner and you were an owner and you were going to complain about these things, and if there were games that weren't played or players that weren't active for you, then you can opt out this year as well. Don't be a problem. Just sort of go with it. Enjoy that there's football being played. Enjoy that you're playing fantasy football and understand some things are going to be different. I've never had an injured reserve in any of my leagues. I like having plenty of guys on waivers. Um, That is why I keep my leagues to 10 or 12 teams as well. So there are players that can be had on waivers as the season goes on. Um, But I did add basically a COVID reserve list. And I made it very specific to all my owners uh, in all my leagues that you can only put a player there if he already exists on your roster and it is documented that both the owner of that player and myself know that he's going to be inactive for that particular week due to COVID reasons and that uh, you could put up to five players. uh, We hope it wouldn't be that many um, on that list because I didn't want if I didn't want a team having to cut somebody they don't want to cut just because of something like that. So I think with the reserve list being at five, I hope that's enough, and I hope it's more than enough. So let's say an owner in one of my leagues has two or three players in a week that go down. Um, He can just put them there, and he can claim two or three players and play them, and then the minute the players who have COVID are clearly active for the coming week, he must immediately then cut players, um, doesn't have to cut the same players he picked up, but he has to put them back on the active roster um, and get them off the COVID list. I thought, and I I also made the rule, Jeff, you can't pick up a player on COVID and just stash him. He Uh has to already be on your team for you to put him there. Excellent. And uh, great advice about uh, going with the flow. Uh, That's uh, definitely for sure. So this season in the NFL, we've had a lot of movement at the quarterback position Uh, New faces, new places. How do you think that is going to affect fantasy football this year? Players moving around always affects things. 
Um, I've never played in a dynasty or a keeper league. I know some like that. I don't. I personally like hitting the reset button every year. I think it's the way fantasy football should be played. Uh, you start with a clean slate and you go for it. Um, and when players change teams, it changes the way you think about those players. Uh, most often, I would say in 60 to 80% of cases when a player changes teams, uh, normally the player, uh, there are more questions about the player in a negative sense. For example, the only reason DeAndre Hopkins is not being the first or second wide receiver taken in fantasy drafts this year is because he changed from Houston to Arizona. Houston was a playoff team. Arizona isn't. Houston had Deshaun Watson. Arizona has now a second-year quarterback in Kyler Murray. There's no other explanation for that. Uh, but in the case, obviously, of a Tom Brady, Tom Brady changes teams. Brady has not been as productive in fantasy in recent years, but he gets a bump by going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the perception that um, playing with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will be good for Tom Brady, and his numbers are now QB1 worthy again. So I think in most cases, like we saw this a year ago, when I argued Le'Veon Bell no longer was the guy you had to take in the first three or four picks of the draft as an RB1, and I was right because of questions about his role going from the Steelers to the Jets, the personnel with the Jets, uh, around him and blocking for him and Adam Gates. That proved to be the case. Now Le'Veon Bell is at best a running back three, maybe a running back three slash four based on the news we've heard out of New York with the dependable Frank Gore likely to get uh, plenty of reps uh, to start the season. So uh, move, players moving around often affects their draft status. I'll say two of every three times it knocks them down a little bit, whether it's right or wrong. And, of course, you brought up Tom Brady, so you uh, pitched me a perfect segue. Of course, in Tampa Bay now and uh, with his pal Rob Gronkowski. So what do you think the net effect will be for the Buccaneers with uh, Brady at the helm? We know it won't, he won't be a turnover machine like Jameis Winston, so there's at least some upward mobility there. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, I think, what so many people are hanging their hat on. They're just wiping out the Jameis pick sixes and they're wiping out the interceptions and saying, they're all gone now. No, the player is gone. It doesn't mean that, that the team just goes on from there and none of those things happen again. Sure, Brady is clearly a better quarterback than Jameis Winston, and it is wise to expect him to not throw as many pick sixes and interceptions as Winston did. However, Brady's career in New England ended on a pick six. Just want to bring it up. <laughs> um, and he is 43 years old. And I saw him the last couple years miss a lot of easy throws to guys like James White that he didn't miss when he was in his 30s um, and younger than that. So it's it, it's a lot on Tom Brady. Um, as much as anything... He wants to prove that he is good on his own, independent of the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and the Bucks would love for him to prove that as well. But, Jeff, you and I can go down the list of Hall of Fame quarterbacks who changed teams late in their careers and didn't live up to the local expectations. In most cases, it's, um, it's less than rather than equal or more than. And... 
that's what I wonder about if there's almost too much uh, expected of Brady at 43 years old to come in, eliminate all the bad that has been associated, not just Jeff, you know this, with James Winston, but with the Buccaneer franchise, independent of the Dungy slash Gruden days. Um, and then that brief bit of success in the John McKay years back 79, 80, 81, 82. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of losing history with the Buccaneers, and I just don't know if Brady will be able to overcome that and get the Buccaneers to where many feel they can go. Well, I do have to indulge myself and ask about the Dallas Cowboys. You and I are both big fans of the boys. And uh, what do you make of uh, of them going into this season under Mike McCarthy? Uh, you know, similar to the Buccaneers, and uh, you know, I also have a webcast where I talk about um, I talk about sports handicapping. It's a rare sports handicapping webcast where I do not make picks. Um, I'm trying to do something different. I'm trying to have fun with it, and we'll talk about that later. But the, the Cowboys, as well as uh, the Buccaneers seem to be getting a significant amount of what people would say in Vegas is public money. Beyond just their fan base betting them down, um, there's other money betting them down or believing in them this season. Look, I, I get it in, in the sense that the Cowboys offense was terrific uh, in, uh, in 2019, roughly top five across the board. Defensively, they didn't create enough turnovers and they, they couldn't do enough um, to balance out the, the strong play of the offense. Although there are some fantasy owners that will tell you they were disappointed with the production of Ezekiel Elliott, even though no back touched the ball more in the red zone than Dallas's number 21. So bouncing back and forth here, uh, I think it's a sign much like Brady coming to Tampa Bay is, oh, the problem was Jameis, they now just go forward. It's the same in Dallas. Oh, the problem was Jason Garrett. They just go forward now with a Super Bowl winning head coach who admits he's embraced analytics and some things that he needed to do to update his philosophy on offense that guys like Aaron Rodgers didn't like about him in Green Bay. And now McCarthy will just take the Cowboys from where Garrett left off. I'm hopeful that's the case. So are you. But let's see ultimately how that plays out. Uh, I still have some concerns about whether the Cowboys are going to create enough turnovers, um, how much uh, this, uh, what their secondary is going to do. We keep hearing talk the Cowboys may still be in the market um, for another cornerback. Um, I, I do have questions. I think it's I think it's a good team, but I'm not sure that just based on the changes, it's enough to get Jerry Jones where he sorely wants sorely wants to go which is back to championship game, Final Four contention, and a one-in-four shot at winning a sixth Super Bowl in Dallas. Well, we know how hard it is to repeat a Super Bowl champ. Uh, what do you think about Kansas City's chances there? I think they, they all rest ultimately on the health of Patrick Mahomes. And it's the health of Patrick Mahomes. And um, I would also say it's, can other teams catch up to him a little bit. Uh, I don't have a bad word to say about him, and nobody does. And Jeff, 
I wish sports had more of those guys, mm -hmm. whether they play on my favorite team or not. I wish our world had more of those guys, you know? The guys that even if you root against them, you're only rooting against them for sport. That's it. At the end, you're like, you know, I grew up, Jeff, I hated Larry Bird and the Celtics, and I hated Magic Johnson and the Lakers. <laughs> but I hated them because they won so much. I didn't have anything really bad to say about them. I wanted to see Dr. J and the Sixers win. <laughs> and I look back at those times and I'm like, man, that was fantastic. As great as the Jordan years were, and in Central Florida, you know, the rise of the Magic in the mid-90s and then the late 2000s, um, you know, th those 80s and the Jordan years were so fun for the NBA. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a joy. And, you know, I, I only think what holds the Chiefs back is Mahomes' health, which was almost – which almost uh, – hurt him last year it cost him a few games and he amazingly came back from what looked like a devastating knee injury on a primetime game and can other teams catch up a little bit to him make his life difficult it's a copycat league there's more film on him now there's more film on the Chiefs can someone figure out a way to slow him down or make his life more difficult as a very talented young quarterback and now let's switch over to the National Hockey League as they are in their playoffs. And the Tampa Bay Lightning had the most utter disappointment a year ago, but now they are back in the Eastern Conference Finals and uh, up uh, two games to none in that uh, series. Uh, tell me what the difference has been. Well, it took a it took a while to get to this point, not because of the pandemic. When they tanked the first round last year, and I think it's one. I, I think it's as historic a tank job as number one Virginia losing to a 16 seed. Mm. Um, the problem was that no one with the Lightning was really accountable for what happened. They they didn't have any answers. And uh, when you have the MVP of the league and separately have the best goaltender in the league and you rack up all these points in the regular season and you have a, you know, what many people think is one of the better head coaches out there. What's your excuse? I don't, I didn't hear anything that made sense after they lost to Columbus. It was kind of arrogant, Jeff. Um, even the GM said it was basically a fluke that if you played the series a thousand times, Columbus would win it once. But somewhere along the way to where we are now, changes were made that they, they were either, didn't want to admit it or they just learned that some things needed to be different. They needed some different pieces on the team. They, they needed to try some different things. Um, they needed to deal with adversity to be better. Jeff, you and I were covering the Orlando magic when the magic lost in the first round, I believe to the Indiana Pacers yep. um, back in what was that? 94, the 94 playoffs. Yes. And for all the, for all the bad rub that Brian Hill gets, and it bothers me to this day, because I love Brian Hill. Mm -hmm. um, Brian Hill got them together when they lost that game to Indiana, and he just kind of said, I want you to take all this in, because I want you, I want you to learn from this, and I want you to, to, you know, to build on this and, and have it motivate you. And then next year, they go, they go all the way and past Indiana 
and they go to the NBA Finals. Um, so the Lightning did learn. They didn't admit it at the time, but they did. And they made they made trades at the deadline this year. They didn't last year. John Cooper famously said, we did something by doing nothing. Arrogant, inaccurate statement. This year they did make trades at the deadline. Um, they're much more physical. They, they are more than willing to get in the face of more than just uh, teams than the Boston Bruins. Um, Kucherov, to me, is a better player now than when he was MVP last year. And a lot of it is because he plays with Braden Point, who is sort of a second coming of Marty St. Louis, because he is a smaller player and he thrives um, with a very fast, not necessarily physical game. But there's no downside to the way Point fights for 50-50 pucks um, and finishes his checks. But, that, yeah, that top line of Palat, Kucherov, and uh, Point is a major reason that they've been very clean into the East Finals. And now, and I was a big fan of the Islanders and Barry Trotz. I think the Isles are done. I think the Lightning will win the series in minimum six. They could win it at four and then probably face the Vegas Golden Knights in what will be a very attractive final with a lot of very talented skaters with teams that were assembled totally different ways. The Lightning top-heavy with stars who have kind of figured out how to get other guys to get the grit and the guts and the want-to, and Vegas started with the guys with the grit and the guts and the want-to who were left exposed and then added some stars to the roster they're basically the same teams, but built in reverse. And I and I think, you know, if you put Leonard against Vasilevsky in the Stanley Cup Finals, first goal might might win. It might be enough. <laughs> and uh, just being the, in the bubble, did that take some of the pressure off the Lightning, possibly? I, I don't know, Jeff, because like you, I'm not there. <laughs> I hear these stories about it. I so Gary Bettman really won me over. I, I know he's not to the finish line yet. Um, and I think families get to come in for the cup finals, which, you know what? That's hockey. It's supposed to be celebrated. It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's been two months without your loved ones. I get that. I just hope nothing. They haven't had a positive test since anyone showed up at a bubble in Edmonton and Toronto. Gary Bettman has always been sort of this enemy. He gets booed when he presents the Stanley Cup the way Roger Goodell gets booed when he announces first-round draft picks. <laughs> I won't boo Gary Bettman anymore based on what he's done to this point. I hope I don't have a reason to going forward. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what life in the bubble is like. I think it does. It makes it harder for us to do our jobs covering teams, and getting information, and it might make it easier for teams, and all hockey teams in the playoffs are basically a version of Bill Belichick. This year in the bubble, the term unfit to play has been an upgrade from lower body injury. <laughs> now it's unfit to play. Well, what does that mean? We're not, we're not allowed to know. It, it could mean anything. We know it doesn't mean a positive COVID test because the league keeps telling us of thousands of tests there haven't been any positive tests. So what does unfit to play mean? It may mean the player is hurt. It may mean the coach just doesn't want the player on the bench and on the active roster. 
And let's uh, have a quick check on the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. First place in the AL East in this truncated baseball season. And, you know, I, I talk to so many people about baseball. And to a, to a man, they all say, you know, the Rays are just incredibly gifted when it comes to how they build their team and how they, how they operate. Uh, so impressed with what they do. Yeah, there are other organizations like them. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know we're closest to them. You know, the way Kansas City bubbled up there for two years and won a World Series. Um, Say what you will about the cheating Astros, but to even get to that point, they tore it all down and built it up from scratch. Now, that doesn't change. That doesn't change to me. Um, And that's why A.J. Hinks will get another managerial job. Um, You know, it's kind of like what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. They're trying to they're trying to be the Houston Astros and let's build it up from scratch and it's never seemed to work for the Jaguars even though they've gone to a couple of conference title games over the span of their twenty plus year existence but yeah the Rays do it well you know the A's do it well um, there are other teams that uh, embody some of those philosophies let's remember the Rays former uh, front office man has had the Dodgers in heavy contention the last few years. Sure, he has hundreds of million dollars to spend, but he doesn't just spend it on anybody like the Angels do down the five. Um, the Angels seem to buy every big-time talent every one to two years, and where has it gotten them? Nowhere. And many say they have the best player in the game that they didn't have to buy. Mm-hmm. And Mike Trout, he's been in their organization. So um, all credit to the Rays. And back to your uh, point about the bubble in, in Toronto, I think the Rays have benefited from not having to deal with any questions on why is nobody watching your games. This is something that good Rays teams have had to answer and talk about and look at in in a fairly empty home building for their entire existence. And now every building is empty. Suddenly, they don't have to worry about that. It just doesn't exist. So even though baseball isn't in a bubble... The Rays players and Kevin Cash and everyone in the organization is taken away from answering the questions that they have nothing to do with about why people aren't coming to see them play. I think it's a factor, Jeff. They can just go out and play baseball. Well, Todd, uh, as always, we appreciate you uh, taking time to visit with us uh, in your very busy schedule. And uh, please... uh, do the self-promotion. Uh, tell us about all the uh, podcasts, the, the golf tour, everything you got going on in your life over there. You're very kind. I'll make it as quick as possible. First, uh, people that follow me on social media, um, and I, I basically am just promoting stuff on social media. It's not my personal life. Um, it's my podcast, my webcast, my golf tour, etc. cetera. Um, I'm Instagram at ToddWright2020. That rolls over to Twitter at ToddWright2020. And I'm on Facebook, just my personal page. I don't ask people to follow two or three other pages. I find that annoying, so I don't do that to people. I'm Todd Wright in Tampa, Florida. Uh, my fantasy, The Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast is in Season 5. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and various other podcast platforms. The Todd Wright Podcast has, a, has now gone 120 episodes. Unfortunately, it's not on Apple Podcasts because Chuck Todd had the idea of the Chuck Toddcast before Todd Wright had the idea of the Todd Wright Toddcast, and Apple says that's a duplicate name. 
I may rebrand the Todd Wright Toddcast at some point before the end of 2020. So Apple puts me on Apple Podcasts, but it's on many other podcast platforms, and it's just me doing non-fantasy content. If you're a Buck fan and you want just a fantasy preview of every Buck game every week, and I don't know anyone else who does this, I do a Buck fantasy preview called the Bucks Bulletin. It's a spinoff of the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast, the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast Bucks Bulletin, and it just, I think, will post tonight where I talk about the fantasy uh, elements of the Saints Bucks Week One, and we'll do one every week the entire season. Uh, and then my webcast via the Identity Tampa Bay, uh, which is uh, an online site as well as uh, social media uh, from the Vinick Sports Group that owns the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I have a webcast that talks about sports gambling and handicapping. Because Jeff, by the time you and I do a segment like this, maybe in a year. We may actually have legalized sports gambling in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. It it may have happened this year had it not been for the pandemic. Obviously, the government's been busy with other things. Some they've done well, some that they obviously haven't. (laughs) So sports gambling is going to wait until 2021, but the Vinick Sports Group wanted to get ahead of that. And basically, I do a webcast with all my numbers coming from my longtime friend Jay Cornegay at the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas, where I just talk about what the numbers are what numbers are moving, who the favorites are, who the long shots are in various sports each week. And I don't know, what do you think, Jeff? Can I actually survive doing this by not making picks, by not being a tout? I don't do that in my webcast. I let people decide for themselves. It's a novel idea. And, uh, and by and large, a lot of the people who do the picks... How how right are they? Or, or anyway, I mean, they're they're wrong half the time, and they're right half the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, no, yeah, definitely a definitely a novel concept, and uh, and again, uh, you know, I check out all your stuff, and I encourage my audience to do the same uh, with you as well. And uh, as always, Todd, we uh, we wish you uh, continued success. And oh yeah, you got the golf tour too. That's a uh, uh, can't forget that. No, um, and actually during the pandemic, thank you for bringing that up. I'm hosting Todd Wright Tour 27 XXVII on October 3rd. It's sold out down here in Tampa at one of my annual stops, West Chase Golf Club. But demand for my tournaments modified slightly. Um, For everybody's peace of mind, we do nothing indoors until 2021, and everybody has an assigned tee time rather than a shotgun start. It's gone great. We've had no health issues, no problems. Um... I added an event going back to the summer at Walt Disney World. The Todd Wright Tour came to the greater Orlando area for the first time. We played a two-person scramble event on the Magnolia before it was part of the NBA bubble. And I do plan to go back to Walt Disney World for another event, probably on the Palm Course, which about five years ago was voted one of the best redesigns in the country for top golf courses uh, in 2021. So anyone that... Uh, is interested in playing in Todd Wright Tour golf tournaments, you'll see me promote them on my social media, and the email is toddwrightgolf at gmail.com. But we did Orlando for the first time this summer. It went great. We'll go back to Orlando, likely to Walt Disney World, the happiest place on turf, as they call it, in 2021. Yeah, and I'll have to make it a point to be there as well. Todd, thanks so much again. We appreciate it, and to have yourself a terrific evening. Thank you, Jeff. And we'll be back to wrap up this show with a TV theme right after this. 
five reasons why you should listen to or advertise with Captain and Company in the morning. One, just under four decades of professional broadcasting experience. AM, FM, online. Two, programming music you listened to before you settled down and started a family. Three, live every weekday morning just as reliable as your automobile. Four, no spin doctor here. I just can't fix stupid. Five, if you got this far, please go back to reason number one. Weekday mornings right here on your favorite online station. Our primary objective is to keep the groove. I got peace. Oldschool101.com. Forget about it. My eyes are getting weary. My back is getting tight. I'm sitting here in traffic on the Queensboro Bridge tonight. But I don't care because all I want to do is cash my check and drive right home to you. Because maybe all my life I will be driving home to you. And that, of course, is the theme from King of Queens. Ran on CBS from September of 98 to May of 2007. Total of nine seasons and 207 episodes. The series stars Kevin James and Leah Remini as Doug and Carrie Heffernan, a working class couple living in Rigo Park, Queens, New York City. Carrie's father, Arthur Spooner, played by the late great Jerry Stiller, who we paid homage to recently, also lives with them and uh, creates plenty of hijinks and as I, I think I told that story a few uh, weeks ago after he passed, that uh, Kevin James had actually talked about a retirement to do the show. He, of course, had played the great Frank Costanza on Seinfeld. And you you wondered, well, how's he going to top that? And at first, when he was on there, I thought, man, he's going to play the same character. But he played him... Although somewhat similarly, quite differently, but uh, with that same wacky, great comedic timing that Jerry Stiller definitely had. So Doug Heffernan works at the fictional International Parcel Service, IPS, as a delivery driver. His wife, Carrie, works as a secretary of Manhattan. The lives complicated by the demands of Arthur They eventually hire Holly, a professional dog walker, to spend time with him. (laughs) She walks dogs in the park and walks Arthur. And Doug, of course, said to represent the everyman with his love of sports, TV, bad food, and his wife. His constant scheming and plotting through various hilarious situations, having to constantly explain himself as his follies backfire. Also featured on the show as his friends, uh, Deacon Palmer, played by Victor Williams, Spence Olchin, played by comedian Patton Oswalt, Richie Iannucci, played by Larry Romano, and Doug's cousin, Danny Heffernan, played by James's real-life brother, Gary Valentine. Deacon's wife, Kelly, Marin Dungey, is Carrie's best friend, having met through uh, her husband's work. And one of my favorite parts of King of Queens was Lou Ferrigno of bodybuilding and Incredible Hulk fame, playing himself for many seasons as the Heffernan's neighbor. <laughs> It was always good stuff when the Incredible Hulk was part of the King of Queens. 
Oh, and I have a uh, Lou Ferrigno Brush with Greatness story. Uh, many years ago, I went over to uh, Tampa to watch uh, the Rays host my Atlanta Braves. After the game, I go back to the hotel, which is over near the airport, and uh, go down to the bar to have a beer. And it was pretty crowded. It was a Saturday night, and Lou Ferrigno was at the bar. As you would expect, he was being quite popular with the crowd, people coming up to get his autograph, take pictures and all that. I opted to leave him alone, figuring, you know, poor guy just wants to have a drink. Of course, now I look back and wish I had. (laughs) Uh, The tales of what might have been. It's going to about wrap it up for this week's show. Once again, thanks to Todd Wright for being on Talking Fantasy Football and the like with us. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.